From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we could have talked about an amazing weekend for Cleveland sports, but we missed it by about two minutes. So we're going to stay home to talk surging guardians and befuddling Browns. On the road, we are going to talk college football's boring weekend, NFL Week 2, and some historic runs in Major League Baseball. Off the field, we get a little bit of everything in another From the Land grab bag. I am joined tonight by my co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo. Fellas, how are we feeling for tonight's show? I'm feeling good and optimistic. <laughs> Chucky, how about you? I was going to say optimistic as well. It's Things are looking up when, when I get to sit down with two great friends and share my anger, I guess. <laughs> there will certainly be a therapeutic aspect of tonight's show, but why don't we get started at home? And for reasons that will become obvious, we're going to start with our Guardians recap, <laughs> recapping the last week for the Cleveland Guardians, because the deaf woo guards are back. Guardians last week swept the Angels, lost one to the White Sox, but then rolled over the Twins with three wins in four games, including sweeping a triple header on Saturday. <laughs> the guards finished the week 79 and 67, three and a half up on the White Sox, six games up on the Twins, and a solid 24 up on the Tigers. What do you say about this team playing what was maybe the most important week of the season? and coming out and doing what they did. I say that somehow this year, with all this young baseball talent, unproven in every position almost, that they've found something here. They are, they're winning games. They played eight games in seven days and won six of them with guys that were making their major league debut or their second start ever, or it's a bullpen game or what have you. And we had our, our normal cast of characters, right? We, we had Bieber and McKenzie and Quantrill go out there, but I couldn't believe that they got six wins in eight games with the guys they trotted out to the mound. And these young guys did a great job. And then we, we've been talking about the young offense uh, and defense all year. And to see plays from Quan and, and Jimenez, and then bigger beard Rosario just taking over for a Saturday. Uh, it was amazing. It's it's the most fun I've had wa watching Cleveland baseball in a long, long time. Watching them this week, just out there grinding. I thought that's a lot of baseball. I said it last week. Like, no team should play this many games. And oh, we're gonna throw almost another full game in there because it went yeah. so deep into extras. They're never out of games. They play a lot with passion. Uh, they never mail it in. They're a, they're a joy and a pleasure to watch as a baseball fan that has become, I've become a lapsed baseball fan over the past few years. And it's exciting to see what they continue to do wherever this season ends up. Um, it's not what I expected. And I think that's the best part. I never expected to be this into this team this late in the season, especially when you know most of these games are must wins and every week, oh, it's an important week and it doesn't matter to them. They just keep grinding. It's almost unusual as a Cleveland fan to have a team come through like this in this big a week. Like they could have easily dropped four or five of these games and you wouldn't have even been mad at them. You'd have been like, ah, well, you're bringing up all these young pitchers. 
and the bullpen's been out of its mind. So maybe it'll be off some and, you know, team still struggles to score runs without a real big bat in the middle of the lineup behind Jose. And they just came out and kept doing it. They just kept doing it every night, finding a different way to do it. You know, oh, well, we'll get shut out for the first seven innings. No problem. We'll still win the game. Oh, we'll blow a five-run lead in the eighth. No problem. We'll stick around. We'll still win the game. And in fact, we'll keep you here all night doing it to you. We'll win it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we'll win it tomorrow. So it's just... um. It's just so much fun to see them come out and keep doing it night after night after night after night. And I think that's a that's a testament to Tito that he can have them in a place mentally to come out and keep doing it night after night after night, even though it always seems like or at least it has seemed like for the last three weeks that every game is a big game and every game is an important game and every game is a game they need to win to stay on top of the division and and keep some distance from those other teams. Really fun week from the Guardians. Scale of one to five. One being Rocky after the first clubber fight. Five being Lloyd Christmas when he sees Harry leave for his date with Mary Swanson. How badly did the guards crush the souls of the twins this weekend? Oh, five. The reason that the twins are under 500 team this year is because of the Guardians. They basically have beaten them every which way. And even when they think they're going to win, they still lose. I can't imagine what it's like to be either the Twins broadcast team or a Twins fan when they're <laughs> playing the Guardians this year. Uh, other than I think, gosh, in two two series ago, I can remember hearing the audio. I think they walked it off like for the second time of the series. And their, their, their play-by-play guy was like, that's enough of the Guardians. And I assume <laughs> that's that's what's happening. I, Man, uh, it's been it's been fun to watch, but I assume it, it's it's Lloyd Christmas being absolutely de- devastated. Yeah, that's a five. The the twins' soul has been crushed by the guards. I think that the Guardians lead baseball in last at bat wins this year by far, and with some some number like twenty four or twenty five, and eight of those are against the twins. <laughs> Just so bad. Like not only are we beating them, but we're doing it like last at bat type stuff. Uh, it's just soul crushing and you, you love to see it. You love to be on this side of it for once, I guess. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I feel like we've been on the other side of it, maybe even against the twins at some point. Yeah, right. right. But uh, it's nice. I'm, I'm a five as well to the point where I was supremely confident, even going into the ninth today, that they were still going to find a way to win that game. Uh, and then they went down three, nothing at, at the end and they lost. And that was just the kind of day it was for, the city of Cleveland today, but I say it's a five, man. Those are really tough ways to lose games and, and maintain hope at the same time. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. We'll talk MVG, our most valuable guard of the week. It is a target rich environment. Gentlemen, we'll start with Ahmed Rosario hit 368. He had 14 hits and 10 RBIs during the week, eight hits alone on Saturday, maybe nine, whether that last one was an error or not. Shane Bieber two and oh, one point you ERA, 13 Ks <laughs> and 14 innings. Connor Pilkington, I know it's only one night, but five and two thirds shutout innings on Saturday night in a game where they needed it at a time where they need to try to save the bullpen every chance they get. That was huge. Maybe for the first time this season, Miles Straw hit 393 with 11 hits and two walks this week. The bullpen. Class A, Henches, Morgan, Sandlin, and Shaw all made multiple appearances this week without giving up any earned runs. 
last one, Tito, he got thrown out of that Angels game. Uh, and I thought it was a gutsy call to use Class A to close out game one of the triple header on Saturday. So there's your list. Or if you can find anybody else on the team who was awesome this week, please go ahead. You didn't mention the big O for once. He he should be on that list again. That that kid yeah. is just he's just good. But I get why you didn't. I mean, there there are so many other options. I'm gonna lean towards bigger beard Ahmed Rosario. He put together a week's worth of offense on Saturday in those double headers. He had four hits in each of the two games, maybe five, depending on the official score of that of that 15 inning affair. But um, what I liked about Rosario, yes, he had 14 hits over the, over the course of the week and that led the team, but the way that offense rolled through straw hitting nine Quan leading off and then Rosario coming up, Rosario came up a lot of times with less than two outs and a man in scoring position and knocked him in. Knocked him in. And that was great to see because, oh, by the way, Jose Ramirez is coming up after Rosario got his hit. So it was a great week for him for sure. I love the bullpen. Six big outs when his team needed him the most out of Brian Shaw. Yeah. But yeah. what do we do with this guy? I know. <laughs> Sign him for next year. Yeah. Last week, last week he was terrible. Right. This week he's yeah. But I think I go with with Phil here with Rosario. A lot, a lot of good offense, good enough. But he stood out. Watching him over the week, there wasn't any scenario when he was up that I didn't think he could get a hit. Uh, and that's a good thing to have this late in the year for a guy that maybe I know I didn't expect it out of him. I think he had more hits on Saturday than probably Miles Straw has in the last month. But and Straw had a good week too. Yeah. But that's okay. Uh, it's it's just nice to see it come from somewhere other than Jose Ramirez that you can count on Rosario. Like I, I watched that game way into the night, and I think it's going to be him. It's going to be him that wins this game one way or another, and it was. So he stays super hot. I feel good about it. The, the bullpen's been lights out. Bieber, because I gave it to him last week, even though I had another great week. But Rosario, mostly because I was like, hey, package that dude and get him the f*** out of the town. Um, and now I hope they sign him. <laughs> like I hope, I hope he gets a contract. So I think Rosario will prove to be the most controversial off-season decision that the Guardians are going to make. Because I think there's a whole set of fans who say Rosario is standing in the way of Jimenez moving to shortstop where he belongs and being a superstar up the middle on defense and a superstar on offense for the guardians. But I just don't see how you take Rosario out of that spot. I mean, why not just keep Jimenez at second? He's awesome there too. Anyway, but I think it's what they do with Rosario will be one of the more interesting things for the offseason. I'm giving it to poor miles straw. That dude has had such a bad season. And again, will be one of our interesting topics when the season ends. Like, what do we think of this guy? But if he could turn it around and, gosh, hit 280 the rest of the way, that would be so huge for this team generating runs down the stretch and in the playoffs. Uh, that's all we need. So I'm going to give it to Miles Straw for finally having a big week this season. But that's enough of a, that super important week. Why don't we move on to another super important week for the Guardians? <laughs> uh, starts tomorrow with one final chance to gut punch the poor Twins. Then the guards will play their last three games of the season against the White Sox in Chicago before closing out the week with three in Texas against the Rangers. As I said earlier, going into this week, the Guardians lead over the White Sox is three and a half games. Will that lead be over or under four at the end of the week? 
Is is Tony Larusa coming back, or is he still out for the rest of the year? <laughs> I think he's still out. Sorry, man. <laughs> that makes me a little more nervous. I, I do think it's going to be over. A win tomorrow would be great. You go into Chicago. You need one win there to secure a tiebreaker. I don't want one win. I'd like them to take two or three. You need to continue to distance yourself. You've already dismantled the Twins in their hopes for probably postseason play. Let's do that maybe for the White Sox and move on. So it's not as much baseball, but it's just as important as this week was. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to see them take two of three from the White Sox. Then I'd feel a whole lot better than I do right now. I think we end the week over four wins ahead of the White Sox, even if we only take one in Chicago. I would love to. I, I think we have our our normal starters lined up for that that series, and I think Savali is coming back to to start that series on Tuesday. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I so think we he's might, supposed might have to be three, back. Three legitimate starters at least uh, going into that series. So if you take one of those three, two of those three would be great. I think we're four games ahead of them in the in the loss column. So take care of business against the Twins and the and the Rangers, and just keep it close against the White Sox. I agree. I think we'll be over four. I I, I think this team is ready to um, continue what it's doing, take care of the twins tomorrow, take care of what they need to do against Texas. And I think they can take two of three against the white Sox. So I I have a feeling that it's going to be, it's going to be more than four. It might be more than five by the end of this week, man. This this might be where the the guards lock it up. I'm hopeful. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe I've had too much to drink already. Who knows? (laughs) Anyway, that's it for our guardians week cap. Let's move on to, and, and we are going with this because even Tammy thought it was the best option and it seems extra appropriate tonight. Welcome to Skidmarks, Brown and Orange, Road to the Super Bowl, our weekly look at the Cleveland Browns. The Browns celebrated their home opener this week with a big what the f***. The Browns do everything they need to do for 58 minutes and then found a way to lose, giving up another long TD late when the game was already won losing an onside kick, and then losing the game. The Browns are 1-1, one and one, tied for first in the <laughs> AFC North. Oh, yeah. So what do you – I mean, obviously the biggest thing to come out of this game is that huge blown coverage late in the game. What do you do about that happening now two weeks in a row? Make the DBs do a ton of up-downs all week. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think, uh, honestly – that's two weeks in a row where, and I didn't, I didn't dive into this after today's game. When it ended, I went outside and you know enjoyed life for a while. So uh, <laughs> I didn't see who, what safety and what corner miscommunicated on that particular play. If it was the same two from last week, I don't know. But if it was, you know what you do? You bench those guys. You, you sit them down. We, we've got young. I don't know who the two were, so it's hard to say you bench those guys because if it's, it's, you know, it's our. Our, our high priced talent you don't do that but it's denzel ward yeah right like if it's if it's ward and john johnson i guess you don't bench those guys <laughs> yeah, i don't think you can yeah that's yeah, the right thing. yeah so i don't i don't know who 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 are the culprits there but it's it is nothing more than a communication thing and that's it that's it it's early in the season that will that better get worked out that will get yeah. worked out like that's that's low-hanging fruit in film session right like and you go out there and you just work on that in practice all week so they got to get that together that that's the difference this team could easily be zero and two right now because of that problem easily and easily be two and oh because of that problem too right i mean that's yeah. just where they're at so they're one and one okay i'm i'm all right with that chuck feels being rational yeah. thoughtful <laughs> 
Indeed. about this. Sorry. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and be Twitter for us? No team should ever blow a two-touchdown lead with a little over a minute left in a game. I don't care who it is, especially with Joe f***ing Flacco, who's a statue standing back there. When you rush for, okay, he's standing there. Um, it, yeah, it's a big communication thing. And it looks sometimes, it, obviously, it's exasperated because of today. Like the secondary has never taken a snap together when you have those kind of communication issues. And it, it, it more than likely, Phil, it's Delpit. That's that's who I think I saw. Was it? Was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did the same thing, Phil. I just went outside. Took took my son, went for a run. Like like I don't, I don't like being this angry. I don't like to affect my day. But I don't I don't know how you how you rectify it. They do a nice job covering up for it, you know, like not putting blame anywhere. But but Joe Johnson did have some interesting comments after the game, as did yeah. Miles Garrett, as did Kevin Stefanski. But this is a team that went all in, uh, whether Deshaun Watson is playing or not. They mortgaged a lot to win now. And it doesn't matter who's on the field. We thought they were ready to win no matter what. Um, And these last two weeks are super concerning when we thought the defense had to carry this team where they're being the Achilles heel of this team. And it's that late in the game. Uh, That's where it gets crazy to me. That's why I'm angry. It's like there's no way. I don't care if you're a CYO team. You should not lose a game if you're up (laughs) two scores with a little over a minute left. I'm I'm angrier than Phil, but I'm trying to be more positive, I guess, because he's right. This team could be 0-2. And and it's not like the rest of the division did that great either today. So that's the over-silver lining I see. When we did the preview show, I said they're going to lose a few games they should not and win a few games they should not. I didn't think this would be the game that that they would lose. There, There should be no way. Uh, they lost to this Jets team with the with the patchwork offensive line and Joe f***ing Flacco beating them again like it's 2004. I think it's funny that we all dealt with it exactly the same way. I immediately turned the TV off, walked downstairs, grabbed my dog, and went for a walk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, there's the therapeutic part of our show. You know, get outside, enjoy fresh air. I don't think that it's time to fire anybody. I, I don't think it's time to bench anybody. I think that they need to figure out what the communication problem is and fix it. But other than that, uh, that defense did everything, even if it didn't play well today, did everything we needed to do to win the game. We had a two-touchdown lead with a minute and a half to go, and only one really strange busted play and then a bunch of bad luck led led to that loss. That's it. Recovering an onside kick is super hard to do. It's just dumb luck that they got there and they got it. And, you know, if the Browns had fallen on that onside kick, game's over. Uh, and we're still having this conversation about the blown coverage, but at least we're doing it happy with a win. I don't know exactly what to say about how to fix it because I don't really know anything about football. But I, I think there's a, a bit of an overreaction happening. I think this team is better than one and one. There was no doubt in my mind watching that game today they were better than the Jets. It took these type of flukes to happen to lose that game. It's a weird thing. It's unusual because we've never seen this happen with this team under Joe Wood before, right? I don't remember games last year where these kind of mental lapses were costing them games. It feels like something that should be fixed. Same dudes out there, uh, same staff, should be the same scheme roughly. Like Should be able to fix this. It just cost us one today, and that sucks. 
that sucks to, to lose it like this. So I don't know, maybe I'm being too positive, but I don't see the need to make wholesale changes in what they're doing, except to figure out what this one problem is. And then they're all right. After all that, tell me something good. Uh, Armani Cooper had a phenomenal game over a hundred yards, a ton of targets and a ton of catches. A guy, I was like, Hey, that guy, that's what he was brought in for to do what he's doing. It's nice to see that happen. <clears throat> Odell Beckham or anybody else who is high priced. Uh, man, he runs clean routes. I heard that all in the off season. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it was like, man, what a, what a beautiful route runner you are. Uh, but no, he, uh, he had a, he had a great game. So I take away that there looked like to be a little more rhythm between Brissett and some of, some of the receivers, specifically Cooper. Uh, that's, that's the positive I saw also that, Every pass Brissett threw stayed on my TV screen today, so I felt good about that. It did not go above it. Uh, I thought he made some really good throws. Uh, I think he has really big guts. He stands in that pocket for a dude that big and is still elusive. So uh, even though I didn't see him in the in the preseason, I, I'm, I've been pretty impressed. He's played above my expectation, making throws that I didn't know if he could make. And in and, and week two, he, he proved to me that I thought one of those balls was going to get picked. I don't remember who he threw it to. He was like, holy shit, how did, he, how did he throw that ball there? But Cooper showing up, wide receiver one. We need a wide receiver one. He proved to be at least in week two that he's that guy. I'm going to give the positive vote to this Cleveland Browns team to the entire offense today because we saw from start to finish that offense do what we hoped it could do with Jacoby Brissett as its quarterback. And did any of you think that if we scored 30 points, we'd be on the losing end of a game with, with Jacoby as our quarterback? No way. Right. Yeah. Give us 30 points and I'll take my chances every week. They had drives where it was running back heavy. They had drives where it was tight end heavy and they had drives where it was Cooper heavy. And those are the three levels of strength of that offense. And they, they were all successful today. I, I think we punted twice all game at halftime percent was 11 for 12 or something like that like it was it was very efficient the, the offense was the was certainly the silver lining of this game the positive side of this game uh that that same offense plays a week ago and we beat the panthers by like three touchdowns <laughs> you know um so that was positive get our defensive communication shit out of the way and if the offense can play like that uh i'll, I'll take my chances over the course of these 11 games i'm with you on the offense i give it to stefanski I felt like this was the best called offensive game we've yeah. ever seen with him as the coach. Even those games where Baker was playing well in the season where they went to the playoffs, we remember that how they would be, they'd be great at the beginning of the first half and great at the beginning of the second half. But after that, like in the middle there and, and near the end, there'd be questions or they'd get out to a huge lead. And then we we're just holding on for dear life the rest of the game because they weren't doing anything. Today, it just seems so smart. Every play call, every play, every drive seemed, like you were saying, Phil, very balanced um, and intelligent. Like, okay, we're going we're gonna to get inside the 10. We're not going to try to run any weird reverses or trick plays or anything like that. We're just going to give the ball to Nick Chubb and let him run everybody over. And it was perfect. Uh, and so I, I love that about what we saw today. And it feels like something that can still get better the more time Brissett has as a quarterback. 
Uh, and so I, I, I'm excited for that. A great offensive performance and a losing effort. Uh, let's do our most valuable Browns for the game, our MVB. First one, Chunt. Chubb and Hunt combined for 187 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns. JOK, nine tackles, two for a loss. And Amari Cooper, nine receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Who's your MVB? I like all three of those options. In fact, those are the three that I wrote down after the game, after I came back inside from being outside to clear my head. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I like all three of those options. I'll give it to, I'm going to give it to Chunt. The The stat line is phenomenal. I think all three touchdowns went to Chubb this week. Yep. But uh, both of those guys, man, they just run so violently and it's awesome. Hunt is hurtling people or spinning around and, and he's just a ball of energy as he's running. Chubb just stays low and makes great cuts and carries three or four guys with him until he goes down. So those two guys, we knew coming into the season, it had to be a chunt heavy offense. And today we saw that as much as I'd, I'd like to go Cooper. I think it's specifically Nick Chubb. I can say chunt, but usually Kareem Hunt steals one or two of Chubb's deserved touchdowns. And that didn't happen today. My least favorite part was after the game where people were bitching that he shouldn't have scored his third touchdown. He should have oh, just went down. God. And I was like, shut the f up. That's such a Browns. We love kicker mentality. Yeah. The more I watch this guy and we've been, we've been really lucky to see him play. Like he's something really special, man. In, in, a, in a league that doesn't put running backs on a pedestal much anymore. I'm glad that for the team we root for, like we know anytime this guy touches the ball, anything could happen and it's all going to be good. It's rarely a loss of yardage. He's going to make people miss or he's going to run somebody over. And he was unbelievably elusive today, especially on that third touchdown. Like it's a guy who usually just runs North South and he wasn't doing that a lot today. So three years or four years into his career, whatever it is like to see what he did today, it still surprises me like how, how good he is and how awesome he is to watch three for three on chunt. They, they were fantastic today. Carried that team did everything that need they needed to do to win that game. I'm a hundred percent behind Chubb scoring that final touchdown. Yeah. Of course yeah. you do that because yeah. it's almost impossible to lose with a two touchdown lead in a minute and a half to go <laughs> almost, almost, uh, but nothing, nothing in this game is impossible. All right. Real fast next week, someone probably Chuck, Invited the Steelers on our yearly trip. <laughs> Browns right. and Steelers clash on Thursday night, opening night of the yearly trip. Preseason, we all picked the Browns to win this game against the Steelers. You sticking with your pick? Yep. Yeah, though I'm glad I'll be in Cleveland because if they lose, I'll be I'll be happy to burn part of the city down. <laughs> wow. Well, that's not going to happen. We're not going to joke about that. Jeez. Uh, all right, I'm not changing my pick either. Go Browns. I think they are better than one and one. They've got one small problem to fix. They fix that. I, I think this team is a is a quality team this year. But with that, fellas, we are going to close a long at home segment. Take our first break. Head out on the road and talk some more football. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road. Let's start with college football tonight. AP top five probably won't change at all after this week. Georgia, Alabama, OSU, Michigan, Clemson in order. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson all rolled lame teams this weekend. Alabama was idle. All in all, there really weren't that many good college football games over the weekend. Pretty shitty 
in that respect. Do these cream puff games go away when the PCFC, the Professional College Football Conference, <laughs> starts games in 2029? 2029. No, I don't think so. Uh, maybe there's less of them before you get into conference play. Maybe you're only getting one cream puff. But no, I mean, it's it's part of the, what, what did you call it? The... <laughs> Give me the initials of words. The PCFC, the Professional College Football Conference. Yeah, it's part of the PCFC economy that some cream puff has to come in and get paid one and a half million dollars to take their eighty point beating. So, <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think you're always going to have. I can't believe Alabama was off already. Yeah, oh man, we're <laughs> we're whipped from two weeks of beating up on shit teams. We better take a break. No, I think you're always going to have some of these. You almost have to have them. They're, they're, they're feeders. They're what's expected. But yeah, no, they'll, they'll always be around. Yeah, I think they'll be around. I mean, it's a, the payday is the important part for the uh, the other school, right? I mean, Toledo made a bunch of money so that they can employ a bunch of teachers at their university for going into Columbus and getting shellacked. I, I think they'll still be around, but probably just one, maybe one a year. And then you get right into the PCFC schedule <laughs> did i get that right you did <laughs> i i will tell you that with any luck by 2029 i am named the commissioner of the pcfc <laughs> and i'm not going to allow these games anymore we're just going to play good oh. games all the time <laughs> and it's going to be better and everybody maybe we'll just donate money to toledo at the end of every season so they can pay <laughs> can their inter teachers interstate school here's some money <laughs> we're going to play yeah. some other games <laughs> yeah. we're going to play somebody else but here's the money that you would have gotten if we played you our tv ratings will cover the rest for us don't worry about it as for the actual games really the only compelling one was notre dame and cal notre dame barely and i mean barely beat cal this weekend cal by the way unranked uh at this point is the Ohio State win over Notre Dame earlier this season worth anything? Uh, no. <laughs> it's worth something. It's, it, it would have been really bad had they lost that game. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's worth getting past a team that, yes, at the time they were ranked really high, but as this season goes on, we might find Notre Dame falling lower and lower and lower in the rankings. But thank God they won it because in the past, the Buckeyes would drop a game to Virginia Tech, who was ranked ninth in the country at the time. And by the end of the season, they'd be out of the ranking. So uh, I guess it's worth a little something. I would disagree and say like the Appalachian State game, the Troy game was a <laughs> was a hell of a football well, game. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it was the only yeah. one really that you probably should have sat out to watch at least the last 10 seconds of it. But it's they're Notre Dame, so it's going to mean something. They're the only school with a touchdown Jesus that I know of. But um, they're Notre Dame. They're an institution at some point, you know, like I, I guess if, if they're a 500 team, but they're still when, when people say Notre Dame, they carry some weight. And I assume it carries weight with people who are making bold decisions to or playoff decisions, no matter what their record is towards the end of the season. I guess you're getting to the argument that Ohio State's going to use at the end of the year, like Notre Dame should get six wins and they'll become a bowl team. And so when you're stacking up Ohio State's resume at the end of the year, provided they win out, you're going to say, oh, we beat, you know, four bowl teams. And you you won't mention that one of them was Notre Dame, who went six and five on the season. <laughs> and, you know, it was nowhere near as good as you thought they were at the beginning of the season. Like, how badly was that decision made? Whoever came up with Notre Dame at five to start the season. That's atrocious. They're so bad. Oh, well. Go Notre Dame. I hope they win out. I don't know. I don't see it happening. That team was uh, pretty wildly overrated, I guess, for this season. But 
that's enough college football talk. We might not come back to this for another six weeks <laughs> once the games start getting good again. But let's go through some of the storylines from this second week in the NFL. Handsome Jimmy is back. Trey Lance goes down in the first quarter today. 49ers bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, beat up on the Seahawks. Are the 49ers a better team now? I don't know. I can't put the gambling aside. And Trey Lance was my DraftKings quarterback today. And I went into the four o'clock games with two guys giving me 80 points. I'm like, I'm going to finish big in this money. Uh, all Trey Lance. And then I saw the picture of him getting carted off and I went, oh, shit. Maybe they are. I, I don't know. He's he's much more athletic than Jimmy G, but Jimmy G's been there before. So uh, I don't know if any quarterback gets more disrespected than him. So I, I'm rooting for your team, Gerber, who you, you picked to go deep this year. He he seems to always come through. It's never probably pretty. He's never going to throw for Tua Tungavailoa numbers, even though you hate his guts, you know. But uh, I, I yeah, I don't know if they're a better team, but he's familiar with everybody there and he's familiar with the system. So why they can't, why can't they just keep rolling with him? I don't know if you saw like the video of him being carted off the field, but like none of the 49er players were around the cart. He was like all by himself and they just rolled him off. And like I, that seems like a bad sign to me as far as where he stands with that team. I don't know if they're a better team because who knows what Trey Lance would have developed into this season, right? That's, that was the whole idea. There's this young high ceiling quarterback we're, we're surrounding him with good players and we'll see what he turns into. Uh, but they're definitely a smarter team for having ho- held on to Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. because now they don't skip a beat. Like they were hoping they had this phenom quarterback and that there was a lot of hope there and they had a good team built around him. They know what they have in Jimmy G and Jimmy G has led this team to playoffs and super bowls. And he's about to do the same thing. I would say they're definitely better with Jimmy G just a a steadier hand. We know what he can do. Uh, And I think the fact that like nobody was there, like patting him on the back and saying, Hey, I hope you're going to be okay. They all just kind of walked away, went back to the huddle. That's a bad sign for what, what Trey Lance means in that locker room. All right. So tell me what would it take for you to be a believer in the one and one, but really fun Detroit lions (laughs) who beat the commanders today, 36 to 27. The one, one, but really fun. <laughs> so you want me to be a believer in the Detroit Lions? And what would it take? What would it take? Um, I don't know. Like not much. I don't think. Like maybe a, another couple wins in the next few weeks. I, I kind of feel like I'm already a believer in the Lions. They're a fun All team right. to watch, and uh, you know they were a fun team to watch in the off season on Hard Knocks too. So I am already a Detroit Lions believer that they will finish nine and eight. <laughs> Yeah, it takes me nothing. I already believe in the Detroit Lions. We all like them, and we all want them to win. And they have a really good running back, and they have a really good receiver, and we love their coach. What what would it take to solidify it? Probably a keystone win against like a top 10 team in the NFL that we think is really good or a playoff team. Uh, because they're always going to be around, you know, that they were up big and then, you know, the commanders kind of came back into it, but they put up some gaudy offensive numbers today. So uh, it, do- it doesn't take me much offense wins championships in this league. So I'm always going to be rooting for the lions as long as that coach is there. I'm a believer too. So that one was really easy. Uh, I really wish we had Burke here to say, go lions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the two and O teams, Tampa Bay, New York giants, Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs, maybe the Bills, maybe the Vikings. They both play Monday night this week. 
of those two and O teams, who's the worst? The New York football giants by far is the worst. Good for them. They're two and O, but they are the worst two and O team in the league right now. Yeah, for sure. The giants congrats, Brian Dable and Daniel Jones and Quine Barkley didn't play great today. Like last week, but two and O is two and O baby and hope springs eternal, especially in the big apple. So three for three on that one. I also believe the Giants are the worst, although I wanted to say it was closer with the Dolphins I know you um, do. than it really is. But <laughs> even I have eyes in my head. All right. 0-2 teams, Bengals, Raiders, maybe the Titans, they play tomorrow, Panthers, and Falcons. Who's the best 0-2 team? I mean, I want to say it's the Raiders. I, I thought they were making a deep run this year. And there's a lot of moving parts there, new coaching staff, wide receiver, whatever. They got better in the offseason, but uh, I think they're the best of those 0-2 teams. I'm not a Bengal believer, so I'm saying the Raiders. If Tennessee goes 0-2, I would lean towards Tennessee, but that's a big if. Uh, well, not a big if. They've got to play Buffalo. So that that, that yeah. is, it, yeah, it, they might be 0-2. They might be the best of the 0-2 teams after this week's completed. With the Bengals, I don't know. I don't know what to think of the Bengals. I, I think the Raiders and the Bengals, to me, in my mind, are on even playing field right now. They're both 0-2. Someone's got to get their shit together. And one of those teams and one of those quarterbacks are going to start leading this, uh, start stacking wins here for one of those teams. But I would lean towards Tennessee if they lose on Monday. I'm going to go with the Bengals still. Maybe I can't get over the recency bias of last year, the fact that they went to the Super Bowl. But it's bizarre to me that they're 0-2. There's some good teams, some teams we thought were going to have really successful seasons starting out 0-2. So what are we worried about the Browns for? for one <laughs> I'm, not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the AFC North a little bit. and Let's stick with the Bengals. They lose today to Dallas and their backup quarterback. Worried or just week one and two weirdness? <laughs> oh, if I were, I'm supposed to speak as if I were a Bengal fan? I'd be, I'd be worried. No, you're supposed to be you. Oh, well, okay. I'd be worried. I'm worried for the Bengals. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Cowboys are the Cowboys, but who's their quarterback? What's that dude's name? Something Rush. Right. Yeah. Right? Cooper, Cooper Rush. He's got a cool name. name. Yeah. He's got Cooper a cool Rush. name. Yeah. yeah. He should be uh, a running back. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a, a completely inconsistent Cowboy team uh, and super undisciplined beats the Bengals. But we kind of said, anytime you go to a Super Bowl or you know, win a Super Bowl, like there's a target on your back and, and maybe that's it. But I don't think the Cowboys are that good. So maybe it takes longer for their line to gel. They spent all that money and yada, yada. But uh, I would be, I'd be worried. Nobody wants to start season 0-2, especially somebody went to the Super Bowl. Worried for the Bengals. Their offensive line looks to be the same dog shit they trotted out there last year, even though they spent all the money on it. It, it. it looks terrible. It's two weeks in. We'll see. They're in a division, as we are very familiar with, where even at 0-2, you're only one game out. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so they're in the right division for that. Maybe they'll get their shit together. But they should be a little worried right now. You Losing to a Cowboys team with Cooper Rush as their quarterback, that's that's not good. He's no Joe Flacco. He's no Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's played <laughs> Super Bowls. He's elite. I would be worried for the exact same reason, Phil. That offensive line looked terrible today. Uh, I watched most of that game this afternoon, and even when the Bengals started to get something going, 
if the Cowboys got him into a third and five and or anything longer than that, the Bengals couldn't do anything. The pass rush was coming and they couldn't stop it. And Burrow didn't have time to make anything happen. And every single drive kind of seemed like it was going to end right there because of the pressure. So I, that offensive line remains a huge concern for the Bengals. And so far this year, maybe even worse than last year's, which is amazing. Amazingly great. Uh, <laughs> next one. Uh, Ravens gave up an even bigger lead than the Browns this afternoon, and they gave up 470 yards and six touchdowns to Tua. Is this the best team in the division? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> they, I was trying to feel like this should make me feel better as a Browns fan because they switched over to that game right after the Browns game and right before I went outside to, to enjoy the weather and the yard work. I, I decided to keep watching that game, and I watched Tua do what he did, and it didn't make me feel any better. I think the Ravens are not the Ravens of old. Like they are not clearly, they gave up 28 points in the fourth quarter. They're not a defensive strong team. They've got offensive weapons and talent there, whether or not they're the best team in the division. I'm going to say they're tied with two other teams in the division right now for that title. Yeah. I think they're still the best team in the division. The dolphins, even though it's early have the second best offense and in the NFL and man, that receiving core looked pretty good. Oh, and wow. Tua Gerber, yeah. Woo! Yeah. become a believer after today, but probably not, man. <laughs> it felt great that they lost that game, but Lamar Jackson still looks great. Maybe even a little bit better. Yeah. It's always kind of been on his shoulders. And, you know, like I know he put on weight. That, that's what they said. He didn't look any slower today when he was breaking free for like 80 yard runs. I guess the best thing out of this is he's going to get paid a whole lot of money and hopefully it bankrupts them being able to sign other players or, or pay other, you know, pay younger talent who's to stay there. But yeah, I, I still think they're the best team in this division. Lamar led them in passing and rushing today. Yeah. That's uh, just kind of the kind of game that he had. He's unreal. I mean, and the nice thing is from a Browns fan perspective is that he put up those numbers and they still found a way to lose. Yeah. So probably still should be considered the best team in the division, but maybe it's closer Maybe it's closer than we thought, but that is enough NFL. Before we take our final break, let's talk a little baseball and let's talk home runs because our boy, our favorite player, Albert Pujols passed A-Rod on the home run list last week. He now has 698 home runs. He's third all time. He's hit 19 home runs this year. That would put him second on the guardians and he's a free agent at the end of this season <laughs> no. should the guards be thinking of signing albert pujols yes or no their, their average age will, will, will advance exponentially if they sign albert pujols. <laughs> he's, he's our age so no they shouldn't sign him but i kind of hope he plays another year or two i i do i think st louis would be open to that if he hits 20 home yeah, runs, he's yeah. a productive yeah. player. Now, now that there's a DH in the NL, yeah. hell yeah. Keep him in St. Louis. He's going to surpass 700 this year, which is great. It's so good to see him get past A-Rod, douchebag. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I love to see it. I love to see it. Good for Albert. I wouldn't mind him in a Guardians uniform. You sign him to the league minimum. Why not? <laughs> I mean, he's worth more than that in 20 but uh, all around good dude. I, I read a, little, a quick little blurb, like the people who caught the home run, you know, like they, they met him after the game and they're like, Hey, what do you want? He said, keep the ball. Keep it. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And like most people are auctioning that off to the highest bidder or whatever, but yeah, 20 at our 41 or 42, however old he is. Shit, man, we get 15 out of him next year. He's leading the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Aaron Judge has 59 home runs with 17 games to play. Is he getting to 61? I'd like to, who are they playing? Who do they have coming up? Oh, 17, gosh, I don't he know. has 17 games. <laughs> I don't know. games. How many does he need to get? How many more? Two Four? more. <laughs> Two more? Uh, yeah. More. I mean, he, by tomorrow. He, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, then. Probably guaranteed. It's been a great season for that dude. Um, and I'm sure everybody's happy that he's hitting them, but why not? Sure. Two today? Two today. Might have four tomorrow. Yeah. On an off day. He's, he's, he's hitting home runs on off day. <laughs> yeah, he will get two more this season. Absolutely. Great news, fellas. Aaron Judge, also <laughs> a free agent at the end of this year. Should the guards be kicking the tires on a judge? Think about that while we take our final break. We'll come back at off the field. Welcome back to our final segment, fellas. We'll head off the field, and it is another grab bag week. We're going to bounce around a bunch of different topics tonight. We're going to start with some music and our first ever from the land, Battle of the Bands, the new release Rumble. We are going to talk about Something in the Orange by Zach Bryan, which was a Miller recommendation to all of us, and Angel Band by Tyler Childers. Tyler Childers. Is that yeah, this yeah. guy's name? Childers. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Childers? Yep. Childers? It's a stupid name. <laughs> this is a Chuck recommendation. So <laughs> assuming that we've all spent a bunch of time listening to both of these songs, forming our opinions for our Battle of the Bands, I'd like to start with something in the orange. And what do you think the orange is? The way I heard it? three different things it's pretty literal to me at least the way i heard it it's, it's the sunset uh it's the light reflecting in her eyes off a lamp and it's her headlights yeah i, I took it to mean uh both the sunset and the sunrise uh he starts the song talking about the sunrise and there's hope and there's this relationship that he wants and she left him and the sunrise is there as part of he's he's something in the orange lets him believe that there's something still there and then the sunset where again, equally as beautiful, but end of the day, what's gone is gone. And, you know, there, there is that reflection there in the sunset, I guess. So uh, in, in the song lyrics, that's what I took it to me. I definitely saw like sunset, the light bulb, but there was something about some of the verses and, and some of what he's saying about that made me wonder if the orange was a beer. Like imagine like a like a beer poured into like a pint glass or something like that. And he this this guy's obviously miserable, very unhappy. He's lost this woman that he he loves very much, and he's just drowning himself in the beer. I think there's a line about how the orange touches upon everything. That made me feel like man, maybe he's like having a drink or something like that. Chuck probably nails it. I think Chuck's probably right. All right, let's do best lyric. Something in the Orange versus Angel Band. This is what I thought was the best lyric in Something in the Orange. If you leave today, I'll just stare at the way the orange touches all things around. The grass, trees, and dew, how I just hate you. Please turn those headlights around. From Angel Band, there's Hindus, Jews, and Muslims, and Baptists of all kinds, Catholic girls and Amish boys who've left their plows behind. Up there in the choir, singing side by side, wondering why exactly they've been fussing the whole time. That's the line from Angel Band. So, Phil, Battle of the Bands, lyrics. Which song had the best lyric? This is really hard for me because I can 
both of what you just outlined there is I can relate to that so well. Like I, his, his take on religion and, and the song in, in Angel Band and those lyrics that you mentioned, Chuck said we should listen to it a few times. I listened to it once. I'm like, oh, yep, I line up with this. Like this is, this is exactly how I feel and think. And then uh, uh, of course with Zach Bryan's song, Something in the Orange, like I, I can relate to that too, you know, uh, relationships that have failed and, and how you feel and, and, and those kind of things. So the lyrics that you put out there, God, that's hard. That is hard. I'm going to lean towards Angel Band because I do feel like that's the approach folks should take about religion. They're both really good. I had listened to Angel Band a few times before I had suggested it, and it's super weird how these songs kind of lined up, and maybe at the end we kind of talk about why they lined up that way, but, but it's the Angel Band one for me because I'm a little bit different, uh, I think, comparatively that I, I still practice and, I, and I'm and i a believer uh, but what I take it from it is is the same thing I always have that we're we're all kind of lost souls. Does doesn't matter what what you truly believe in, and and you're not alone in that. And redemption is there for all of us, and all you have to do is like reach out and let your soul heal. So uh, to hear somebody kind of put into words like, "Hey, whatever you believe, we all kind of believe the same thing," and it, it doesn't truly matter in the end because we're all going to end up probably in the same place together, and our differences and what we believe kind of mean a whole lot of nothing. We're three for three on Angel Band and the lyric. I like the way it flows. I, I like his choice of words in the lyric. Uh, and I like the image that he creates of everybody like up in a choir, like singing together. Um, I, I really like that one. That's a that's a good feeling that that song kind of that as it heads toward the end, it gets to based on these songs. Which guy's catalog are you more likely to dig into? I've dug into Tyler's, right? Like I, I like a lot of his stuff. And I haven't spent enough time with some of the earlier things, but he sings about stuff and addresses stuff that most people stay away from. These guys are are kind of, they're not one and the same, but they both have a, a, a traditional rootsy country sound to them, uh, even though their voices are a little different. I'll probably go the other way only because this is the first time i've ever heard something from what i want to say luke ryan i'm really wrong there zach, zach ryan, ryan geez luke ryan sucks compared to zach ryan um <laughs> only because i haven't been super exposed to him where i where that's why he's not in the battle <laughs> right. of the um where i've listened to tyler plenty of times I've, I've never dug deeper into the other catalog so i'll probably go that way so this is interesting because I, I have almost the exact opposite take here because I, I did dive into Zach Bryan's catalog prior to this because uh, Miller had suggested it some time ago. So I started playing the, the entire album. Uh, Something in the Orange is, is good. It's long, <laughs> but there's there's a lot of tracks there. So I dove into it. And it's good stuff. I, I don't mean to disparage what Zach Bryan has brought to the table here, but this was my first experience with Tyler. And I really enjoyed it. You guys are turning me into more of a country fan. All than right. I, 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 hey, I, all right. I, I don't, I don't like country. Well, I can't say that anymore. Like I, I, you know, like I've never really got into country music and I like this song from Tyler and I, I know he's releasing a new album soon that that's what this was all about. So I, I didn't really dive into his catalog yet. So I, if I had to choose, I'm probably going to go that route because of the inexperience on my end. I think I probably will spend more time listening to Zach Bryan just because that's, he's really close to like the kind of music that I like. It's a, 
like a very stripped down bluesy country acoustic guitar sound um, whereas Tyler Childers definitely at least in this song has more of a gospel sound to him which is fantastic like I really liked this song a lot that's not going to hold me on a day-to-day basis the way I think what Zach Bryan has done so all right moment of truth battle of the bands who's your winner so after everything I just said this is hard. Like I like both of these songs and they, they really pair up well together because of the opposite end of the human spectrum. They tend to live in, I guess, you, you know, you've got Tyler's song about the afterlife and hope and promise. And whereas Zach Bryan's song is something that any of us who have been in any kind of relationship through our lives as adults have experienced the the weight on our heart and our soul and the moments maybe staring into a sunset or a sunrise where you're just lost in your thought and or a beer or a beer, <laughs> or a beer. I stare <laughs> I stare into a lot of beers as well. I'm gonna give the win to Zach Bryan because I listen to both of these songs a lot and I like them both, but I think as a human being and as a man right now I can relate more to what Zach Bryan's singing about than the after, I love I love Tyler's approach to the afterlife. I love and his approach to religion. I think that's fantastic. I love that approach. But and again, I haven't I haven't really gotten into his catalog yet. But I'm, I'll give it to Zach Bryan. That I play that song more, I guess, of the two. But Phil's saying it's the best part about music when we feel an emotion or it brings out some sort of emotion. And that's what the weird thing was about this is that two random songs that made me feel the same way. And the subject matter was so different, but they brought out the same emotion, both of them, solitude, longing for something and the struggle to get there. And that's what I heard out of both of these songs. And I have to pick a winner. They're both really good songs. And I'm glad I was exposed to an artist that I I hadn't really heard from. But for me, it's Tyler. Anytime a song opens with hallelujah, I'm in man. Like I'm in, you got me. And I want to know where it's going. And the fact that Phil talking, you guys have listened to this Zach album, that it's it's very long. It's like a triple album. And that's what Tyler's is coming. But they're eight songs in three different versions. And they represent the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I don't think he's going to shove it down your throat. So as as our as our group chaplain, Phil, I think you're going to really enjoy that. I have so um, far. I really but, have. <laughs> but there's always something about strings that get me in songs too. Yeah. Uh, so like both of them, brought out emotion to me. And like Phil said, where he's at, how he can relate to Zach in his life, or it hit him in a different way. Tyler did the same thing for me to to hear that and go, okay, you know, like there's certain parts of me that are feeling this really strongly. And maybe, maybe the hair kind of stood up a little bit on my neck. And when that happens, when I hear music, I'm all in. So I'm, I'm giving it to Tyler. As you guys could probably guess, my musical tastes tend towards the melancholy. It's why I was like a huge Counting Crows fan when we were growing up. Uh, it ultimately is why I really love Springsteen. And it's why I'm giving this one to Zach Bryan. There's just something about sad songs, about losing women <laughs> that really related to a lot of fundamental years <laughs> of my life, even if they no longer apply <laughs> as I sit here today. <laughs> Both really good songs. I'm, I'm excited to hear that Tyler Childers <laughs> is coming out with more that might be in the theme of Angel Band because I think that's going to be an interesting sound that you don't 
you don't get to hear that much of anymore. So there you go. Our first ever battle of the band winner, Zach Bryan. Let's talk a little TV because the Emmy awards were handed out last week. I'm assuming in this group, we have no complaints and there is no surprise that Ted Lasso won the Emmy for best comedy series. You're right. Yep. So who should have been second? Barry, Curb Your Enthusiasm, or Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Oh, God, those are all good. But I, we've talked about this before. I'm going to go with Barry. I, I like all three of those. They're all really good. But the dark comedy of Barry was so good early on. And then it, eh, it had a little bit of a down. But this last season, which is what the Emmys was all about, it came all the way back. It was really good. And I'm going to lean towards Barry. Only because of omission, like I, I haven't caught up on Barry uh, and I haven't caught up on Curb, but I did see Maisel. Like, you know, it's something me and my wife watch and it's something I truly enjoy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Maisel. I'm going to give it to Barry, too. I, I would actually not have been mad if Barry won over Ted Lasso. That's how good I think that last season of Barry was. That was that was fantastic. But eh, they're all really funny shows. And after Zach Bryan, we needed a <laughs> laugh. So. Uh, moving away from the entertainment world, let's do a community update. Look around at some of the local news in Cleveland. Tell me which one of these should be investigated further, in your opinion. First one, Brexville, Ohio. A Timbers Trail resident reported he was approached by two door-to-door solicitors driving a red Jeep about buying magazine subscriptions with proceeds going towards less fortunate children. Agreeing to buy two magazines, the man wrote a check for $390. He received a receipt. However, after the transaction, he couldn't find a phone number. That is when he realized he had been scammed. (laughs) There are currently no suspects, and the red Jeep remains at large. Next one, Moreland Hills, Ohio. A resident, 73, reported that a vehicle and trailer pulled into his turnaround driveway and struck a large rock in his yard dragging it about 15 feet down the driveway. The rock was put back in place. No charges were filed. Next one, Olmstead Falls, Ohio. A resident called police at 8.24 a.m. about people who were hooping and hollering. And that is that was in quotes, so I think that's from the police report. Police said the incident checked out okay. It was just a group of guys playing basketball. They were hooping. Nice. Was it hooping or hooting? <laughs> they were hooping. Hollering is what it said. Direct quote. All right, last one. Mayfield, Ohio. A man, 34, reported that his wallet had been stolen after he woke up without any pants after a night of heavy drinking. (laughs) The man subsequently spoke to his employer and was advised that his pants would be brought to him. Still no word on the wallet. So which of these requires further investigation in your mind? I like the last one. Uh, and hooping or hooting always lead to hollering. So that one's out. Uh, it's the first one because the only way you're getting magazines, if you're going to giant Eagle and the only way anybody's selling magazines, at least in my experience, it was trying to win weeple people when we were in like eighth grade. <laughs> so that one needs far more investigation. <laughs> Who's buying magazine subscriptions uh, in a physical form in the year 2022. Yeah. That, that seems like a conspiracy for sure, but I, I'm going to lean towards the last guy, the pants off dance off guy i i the reason we need to investigate this further is why does his employer have his oh that's pants? true yeah that's exactly like, why, what i wanted to know why does his employer have his pants sans wallet <laughs> how, how did happened? he wake up without any pants 
Yeah. You know, was and, this and, and, was and this like why a work this is, party? Exactly. <laughs> why does this boss have his pants? That yeah. poor guy in Mayfield, Ohio, of all places. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we're going to we're going to further investigate both of those and <laughs> we'll bring you an update in the future. But let, let's move on. Talk a little House of Dragon. If you were uncomfortable with Daenerys and Jon Snow getting together in Game of Thrones, Last week, House of the Dragon asked you to hold this beer and said, watch this. (laughs) What's your one word hot take for the House of Pleasure scene? One word. Um, Yuck. (laughs) You know, I I guess. No spoilers here. I don't want to I don't want to say how it did or didn't turn out. But yeah, yuck. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, that's how it turned out. All right. (laughs) That's a better one word as to how that worked out. I'm going to go with unsettling Uh, to the point that the second time I watched the episode last week, I fast forwarded through that part because I just didn't need to deal with it again. All right. What are you looking forward to seeing in next week's episode? Uh, Anything better than last week's. Um, It started out for me super great. And I thought the third episode when suitors were coming to meet her and the kid said, I can protect you. And the guy was like, she's got a dragon, you dumb c-. I'm like, this is going <laughs> yes. to be so great. And boy, was I wrong. Uh, it's uncomfortable to watch what I had to watch. Uh, it's even more uncomfortable to watch it with my, uh, you know, five-week-old daughter in my arms sleeping. So uh, this week, I'm hoping they just get back on the right track and, and maybe give me a little more tension that isn't incestual. Let's move forward. I know you guys are worried about the time jump after this past episode. I'm ready for it because I don't want to see what I had to witness. Yeah, I'm ready for the time jump. Uh, what I'm looking forward now, though, from a, a more of a, a storytelling perspective is uh, Nigel from The Replacement says he got removed from the as the hand. Like, I feel like that is going to set up a lot of just turmoil and some backstabbing. And so that that's that's going to be better because we're not going to be dealing with the suitor and who's going to marry what cousin or sister or brother. I don't know what's going on in the Targaryen family, but I, I, I want to see what comes of that because I, I feel like the Hand of the King took that demotion better than I would have expected. So what does he turn that into? I'm with you, Phil. Two things I'm looking for in in the next episode or maybe what's coming. Uh, I don't think he goes that quietly into the night. I think the hand is, is going to be involved and going to be trying to get himself back to that position. I also think that it's this episode or maybe one more and the King is done. Um, He seems to be getting really, really unhealthy. Uh, And then once he's gone, that's when the shit really hits the fan in Westeros. So that's that's coming in the next episode or two, maybe. Uh, it's, it's coming soon, I think. But enough House of Dragons. Let's take a quick stop into the worst fantasy league ever. I want to tell you guys that I've set a new goal for myself in fantasy. I want to try to complete a trade every week. Um, <laughs> I'm not off to a good start. I offered Shantz, Ezekiel Elliott, and David Njoku for Josh Jacobs. He shot me down. I made a big offer to Bonhart. I offered him Josh Allen, Ezekiel Elliott, Njoku, and David Bell, uh, as well as three pick swaps in next year's draft. <laughs> uh, I don't even remember who I offered it for, but he didn't he didn't take me up on it. So I'll report back next week if I'm able to pull off a trade. But uh, who, who's your MVFP for the week, Chuck? Uh, I have Nick Chubb on my team, and I've realized that I have spent far too long 
saying Nick Mullins is Big Dick Nick. Uh, it is Nick Chubb, man. Like, how did I miss that for the last year? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so it's three touchdowns, even though he wasn't my highest point getter for the week. Hometown boy felt good, so it's him. I guess I'm going to lean towards Patrick Mahomes again. He's my he's my leading point getter right now. But, I, I, I you know, I'll take that back because I gave it to him last week. Leonard Fournette came into this week questionable, and it was right up to the last minute, and you got to bench this dude, you know, He's a running back. I need a lot of points out of him. And he said he was good to go. And he, he amassed 33 points. So I'm going to give it to Leonard Fournette. That, that was a good, good showing for someone who entered the day as questionable. I'm going to go with Amon Ra St. Brown, wide receiver, Detroit Lions, 42 points on my bench today. I did not... <laughs> <laughs> so great locker room guy really shows that even if you're not playing you can still score points you know great leader probably going to be in the starting lineup next week because and in honor of what's coming we're going to skip shit talking this week and jump to one more subject because we are only days away from the best weekend of every calendar year our yearly trip starts on thursday it is the 10th year of doing the trip so i'd like to take you guys back Last 10 years, tell me what you think was the best athletic moment on the yearly trip. First one, Burke throwing up playing wiffle ball in Baltimore. Next one, Denko Gerber undefeated Beersby, or as we call it, bottle and stick run at Cherry Creek. Next one, Chuck and Burke immediately quitting at kayaking on the Monongahela <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Last one, Chuck's 50-foot putt to close out the first Kosar Cup. Those are all really great options, I guess, but I've not seen too many 50-foot putts even in the PGA Tour on my television, let alone in person on the Kosar Cup Tour. So I'm going to I'm going to give it to Chuck. That that putt is going to go down in putting history. It's my greatest putt ever, you know. I still have Every ever. time I um <laughs> Every time I put on a pair of underwear, that that card is that that scorecard still in my drawer. So I'm like, I'm reminded how great I was for one day with one putt. But uh, for me, it's me and Tommy tapping out really early on because one, I, I don't like being on the water. I'm a land lover. Captain Dan, you ain't got no legs. That's me, uh, sea leg wise. But um, for me and Tommy to stay close to the shore and him to vomit and dry heave through all of it only made it more special. So that's the greatest athletic achievement I've ever been involved with when it came to my freshman year roommate, Tom Burke. I had forgotten that he had thrown up doing that too. Well, obviously I'm going with, <laughs> with me and Denko and our undefeated bottle and stick run at Cherry Creek. That was epic. We finished that out in the dark with like cart, like headlights, you know, <laughs> shining on us to play that last game. Regardless of the athletic feats, uh, I cannot wait. We are only days away from the trip. Already looking forward to it. It's going to be fantastic. But, boys, before that, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that earlier this month, Nigerian officials seized thousands of donkey penises that mm -hmm. were about to be exported to Hong Kong. With that news that maybe it's okay not to know everything that's happening around the world, <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Do you, do you know how they found them? And some historic home run... <clears throat> 
and some historic. I think they can take two or three. Excuse me. I think they can take two of three. The natty ice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Handsome Jimmy is back. Trey, <clears throat> Trey Lance. Worried or G <clears throat> worried. Aaron Judge, 57 home runs, 17 to play. Is he getting to 61? Uh, he hit Chuck? two today. Oh, he, really? he hit. He hit, he hit two, two today. today. He he's at fifty nine. You might want. I looked it up like right before, and it didn't. Hold on, let's confirm that. But I'm pretty sure I saw that. I'm gonna look at it right now. So no, I googled it. it like this this evening. He was still at fifty seven. I thought. I thought I saw a news report saying he was two behind Maris. Let's get this right. Oh, you're for right. Our listeners. No, it, it's fifty nine. Yeah. All right. There you go. All right. Let's 59. start this whole thing again. Yep. A man, 34, reported that his <laughs> a man, 34, reported that his wallet had been stolen after he woke up without any pants after a night of heavy drinking. The, the, <laughs> the man subsequently spoke to his employer and was advised that his pants ought to him. What? <laughs> <laughs> the man subsequently spoke to his employer and was advised that his pants would be brought to him. Still no word on the wallet. I need to vent about two things in that Browns game. Two things. The onside kick. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to use a baseball approach to this. I feel it's always better to run up and field an onside kick. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you take advantage of the you run up because they can't yes. touch it for 10 yards. You can touch yep. it whenever the fuck you want. Yeah. And Cooper was sitting there like waiting for that wicked hop and mm -hmm. it ate him up. It ate him up. Like you run up on that. That that yep. killed me. But I wasn't surprised. When's the last time you think he was on a hands team? though? I don't know, man. Right, I was like, thinking about that, too. Like when they called timeout so that the kicker put the ball on the tee horizontally and then they called timeout and they changed their personnel. I don't know who they ran off and on, but I was thinking yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Like, is Cooper normally on our hands team? Is our wide re is our number one <laughs> franchise wide yeah. receiver yeah. on yeah. our kickoff team? Like, is that really happening? Like, that seems like a David Bell thing, right? Like, that should be David Bell in that position. Yeah, the rookie wide yeah. receiver. Yeah, but, but I I thought the whole time I watched him sit back. I'm like, oh. I've had a lot of ground balls eat me up doing the same fucking thing, <laughs> yeah. man. Like that is, that yeah. is you're screwed here, buddy. Um, Charge the ball that hits him yeah. on the mound, right? So yeah, that, I agree. That bothered me. And then the last, believe it or not, with 22 seconds left and a timeout, Brissett was a 15 yard completion in the middle field away from another Cade York game winner. Yeah, and he threw that yeah. pick. Yeah, yeah. And and we still had the timeout. And I wonder. I just want like oh, that man. He, it was, he, I don't know. He, he forced that pass. He, he could have, he could have, he could have played for another down is what I'm saying. And, and that was very unbrissette like, and it was fine. The guy, the guy made a phenomenal play to pick that off. I mean, he jumped that route Yeah, and, and that yeah. was all athleticism. And I don't, you know, that's, that's fine. But I kept thinking, you know what? Cade York might bail this team out again. His defense, that have been his defense poor, again, poor Chuck. He's going to have yeah. to talk about, I would have to again. do it again. 
Yeah, I was secretly excited he missed so, the extra point. I'm like, I can't wait to bury him. So I feel like <laughs> the way this team has played these last two weeks, one and one is exactly what they should be. Like, that's a flip of the coin both games, right? Like, yeah. it's just stupid yeah. what they do at the end. Yeah. So now I, I I said from the beginning, I I really want to see them go three and one in the first four. So now they got to beat Pittsburgh and they got to beat the Falcons. That's it. And cool. listen, man, I I I think um I think the Browns are good. I think this is a really good football team, and it has been um a weird couple of games for the defense, but they went on the road in the first game of the year with the quarterback basically playing his first game ever with this team. And, and the offense didn't look very good. Right. Um, they, they can't, they come home for this game against a good jets defense. This, this jets defense is, is no slouch. Um, you know, battled with the Ravens the week before. Uh, we saw what the Ravens did today. The Ravens hung 30 something, right? Um, before losing. Yeah. Um, gave up 28 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That we're going to get to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, they went against that defense and they put 30 points on the board. Yeah. Like th- this is the, at least today, best offense we've seen in a long time. This offense is a good, good team. They are, they are one and one. And so is everybody else in the division except for the Bengals. Yeah. Um, This, we are now just basically saying, okay, it's a 15 game season to win this division. um, And we get Deshaun Watson back in what? Nine games. You know, I mean, that's um, like, it's, I don't know, man. Like it's, um, it almost doesn't, this is going to sound so fucking dumb. This is going to sound like one of those truly stupid Gerber things to say, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. Are you really <laughs> yeah, let me hear it. Gets himself comfortable. <laughs> what an asshole. Um, I, th- I don't think I was that mad about this because it didn't, um, it didn't feel like a loss. I watched that entire game and knew the Browns were a better team and like wacky shit happened. They got to fix that thing on defense, but um, other than that, I, I think this is a better team than I thought it was going to be. Offensive line is fucking awesome. Um... My um, when my mom came up a couple weeks ago, she always brings stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. She brought me a Guardians hoodie. Yeah. And it's the C logo, and she's like, I don't know what it stands for, but I thought C for Chuck. I'm like, mom, that's. Like this is the best hoodie you've got me already. <laughs> it's hilarious. Ooh, yeah. What team is this? The Guardians. <laughs> Never heard of them. You may not have heard of us. <laughs> oh boy. How how old is the is that NDCL shirt from high school girls? No. Tammy oh. found this somewhere and got it for me or ordered it or something like that from the school. Got it for me for Christmas. Looks pretty great. But I was wearing my Browns t-shirt and no. that didn't feel right no. anymore. <laughs> no. So, no. I went with NDCL. Do you know how they found him? No. It was in my show prep. I, I actually did this story. It was the smell. 
That's how oh, the yeah. customs. Yeah, <laughs> the smell of smells donkey like donkey pie. dick. <laughs> <laughs> I smell donkey dick. <laughs> Search those bags. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?